We're talking about love today. I invite you to hear these words of scripture. Remember, everyone involved is clothed at all times, period. This is from Matthew, the 10th chapter, beginning in the first verse. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who's called Peter and his brother Andrew. James, son of Zebedee and his brother John. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus. Simon the Zealot and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These 12, Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel, and as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts. No bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or a staff, for the worker is worth his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person and stay at their house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. Truly, I tell you, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. God, we pray that you would make these words more than a text in a book, more than a puzzle to be solved and then discarded. God, we pray that you would speak to us through these, your ancient words, so that we might come alive in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Church, God is love. Jesus is God. So Jesus is love made flesh. If you look at Jesus, you see a human and full loving union with God. Love is the first, last, and only truth of the gospel. Without love, all of this is worse than a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Without love, all of this is worse than nothing. And we can easily, easily be tempted to move beyond love. We can quickly be convinced to worship some power other than love. We can tell ourselves that love is for beginners, it's for children's, but when you're really experts, when you're really advanced, then you can get obsessed with holiness or power or righteousness or control or wealth or religion. Religion, says Father Richard Rohr, religion is the perfect place to hide from God. 
But God is love, and Jesus is God's Son. And with the Holy Spirit, God, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost join together in the dance of love and become one whole and holy one. Jesus is love made flesh, and he invites us into that same sanctification dance of love. Jesus, who was sent in love by God to come and be with us in the same love. And those he loves, he sends out. So if we want to know what love is, and we've been hearing about it all this morning, it's not a feeling that comes to us. It's not what love is marketed to be in our culture. If we want to know what love is, we look at Jesus and how he was sent, and we look at how he sends us. And these words for the disciples then are words for us now. And it is in this moment the disciples who are learners become apostles. An apostle is one who is sent. The apostles are those who are sent. And if you were taught somewhere that an apostle is a select, elite, high-status, power, privileged role, well, who do you think taught you that? Could it be, and this is for the Gen Xers, Satan? (laughs) We are all sent. We are all apostles. Or we could be, anyway. Now, here's the good news. If you are thinking, I could never, then I want you to think about those names that I read you at the beginning, those first 12. You didn't know any of those names. These are not extraordinary, genius, guru, holy superheroes. These were people of little faith. They were not spiritual giants. The whole point of the people Jesus first called is that like Abram, they were ordinary, holy, human, normal. They were overlooked. They were perceived as common because following Jesus isn't a path to personal greatness. Following Jesus is a path to God. Following Jesus isn't a path to individual greatness. And more importantly, God looks at no one and sees them as common. No one is common to God. So if you're thinking, I couldn't do it, I'm not good enough, I'm not great enough, I'm not important enough, I'm not gifted enough, I could never follow in the footsteps of the apostles, I promise you, you can. And if you want to, you will. But here's the other side of the coin. It's still good news, but it's sobering. Because when I said you didn't know any of those guys, that's not true, right? You did recognize two names, didn't you? You caught the name of Simon, who became Peter. You've heard some stories about him. And Judas Iscariot, who betrayed Jesus. You know those names. The only two names you recognize on the list are the people who betrayed and denied Jesus because they both did that, Peter and Judas. So you don't have to be exceptionally good and special and holy to follow and be sent by Jesus, but you also don't have to be exceptionally bad and evil to betray or reject Jesus. It is astonishingly easy to follow Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit, and it's also astonishingly easy to betray and deny Jesus. All of these 12, they have leapt out in faith to follow Jesus and they are sent by him and sent by him. They work miracles and they preach the gospel and they are intimate with the Lord. And then they all abandon him and two of them flat out betray him. 
So knowing Jesus and following Jesus and even being in ministry for Jesus is no guarantee that the enemy who is good at his job will not be able to convince you to deny and reject him. And if you are thinking, clutch my pearls, never, not I, I would never, I am a Christian, I would like to introduce you to our cousin Peter. (laughs) And if you don't get that reference, you can come to worship this Wednesday for Ash Wednesday at 7 p.m. as we begin our journey to the cross in this holy season of Lent, this 40-day journey. It's not a season where we pretend we don't know what happened to Jesus. We know the story of Jesus' faithfulness. We know the story of God's faithfulness. That story is never at stake. But what we do during these 40 days is soberly consider our own faithfulness, recognizing that it is easy for people to reject Jesus and decide against him, even and especially if you self-identify as a person who loves God. So in this coming up season, we're going to be looking at the stories of people who do say no to Jesus at critical moments. And almost all of them were people of faith. And we have to know how easy it is to say no so that we cannot be led astray. But today we're looking at what it looks like to say yes to Jesus, to say yes to God's love made flesh when it sends us out in love. And um, the good news is we can. And it begins with the apostles. They are sent. They are just like us. They're not impressive. They're not perfect. They're not always at their best. Their lives and their mission don't call attention to themselves, but reveal what God is doing in Christ. Knowing us, no one should want to be like us. Knowing us, people should want to know Jesus. So how does love send us out? What does it look like to walk in God's love? Jesus gives very, very specific operating instructions that the church has almost completely ignored. But here they are. And I promise we're going to move through them quickly. Love is sent out close to home with good news, not judgment. Love is sent out in vulnerability and in need. Love is not for profit. Love serves the whole person. And love does what can't be done. First, as we've been saying all morning, love is sent out. Jesus is not creating an exclusive, independent sect. Jesus doesn't give instructions about how we should welcome people in who happen to stumble upon us, though surely we can and we should. But love sends people out to give what they've been given away. Just as Abraham was set apart and blessed in order to become a mighty nation so that the whole world should be blessed through his blessing, we are blessed and given the gospel, not for our own sakes, but for the sake of the world. These disciples made apostles are sent out because unshared love isn't love. These apostles are sent out because we are not the only ones and we don't need a lot of people to be outsiders so that we can be insiders and have intimacy with God. Like the manna that our ancestors tried to hide away for themselves in the desert, hoarded faith quickly spoils and rots. The disciples are sent out, and they are sent out to share, not to conquer or compel. Please notice that Jesus instructs them to leave 
peacefully when the gift is unwanted. Judgment comes from God, not from us. Faith requires consent. They are sent out, and here in this part of the gospel, they are sent out to their own people. Now, Jesus is already welcoming and including non-Jewish Gentiles that the Spirit sends into the ministry. And soon, the invitation to the kingdom of God will be extended to everyone across the face of the whole earth. But here in this particular moment, the Jewish apostles are sent out in love to their own people because God has not changed The promise and purpose that God has designated for the chosen people is absolute. Love leaves no one behind. Also because the gospel is ordinary, it is indigenous, it is best shared with your near neighbor. If you cannot love the people you already know, you cannot love those who you don't. They are sent out, notice please, with good news. They are sent out to announce what God is doing, that through God the kingdom of heaven has come near. It is a promise, it is a revelation, it is not a threat. They are not sent out to pronounce judgment upon people. They are not sent out to tell people how to live or how to think. They are not sent out as gods. They are sent out to announce that God's realm has moved into the neighborhood. This is good news not judgment. They are sent out vulnerable because love is vulnerable. I would like to clarify now and always. (laughs) We're talking about love. They're not sent out naked. That becomes a very different story very quickly. They are clothed, but they do not have extra clothing. They do not have a staff. They do not have a bag on their back that carries for themselves everything they need. They are not allowed to plan for every contingency. They are not sent with everything they need. They are sent out vulnerable. They are sent out with no place to stay and no extra food and only the clothes on their backs. They are going to show up in the neighborhood with priceless treasure to share and with immediate needs to be met. Let me say that again. They are going to show up in the neighborhood with priceless treasure to share, to give away, and with immediate needs that have to be met. They come with full hearts and outstretched hands. They go out vulnerable. And honestly, this might be the part about God's love that we like the least because we want to show up as experts, as benign proxy saviors without any needs. But Jesus makes them, makes us and makes them and makes us and makes them. Jesus makes them go out needy. Why? Because the kingdom of God is not a hierarchy with the people on top, absolute and scattering blessings on the underlings. The kingdom of God is a culture of mutuality. So the apostles can't strut into a place and say, we have the gospel. We're here to save you. They have to show up and say, I need shelter. I need food. I need an extra cloak. I need the people who I have come to serve. And so the mission of the kingdom of God, it will depend on the faithfulness of the apostles and on the faithfulness of those who hear the word. In the kingdom of God, in holy and healthy love, 
There is mutual submission and interdependence. Everything doesn't depend on one person. Everyone in the kingdom has gifts to give and needs to be met. Church, this is true even of Jesus. Even Jesus doesn't show up in the world and vulnerable. Jesus is vulnerable to Mary, his mother, at the beginning of his incarnation. Without her, yes, there is no mission. And also Jesus is vulnerable to God the Father at the end of his life, laying down his life, yielding and trusting to the Father to raise him up again. Like Jesus, like the apostles, we are sent out vulnerably. God, Jesus sends out the apostles in such a way that they will have to trust God to provide for them through the people that they are serving. They are going to enter into towns and villages to share the gospel and to have their needs met. The coming of the kingdom of God requires faithfulness. Love is sent out vulnerable to be served by the beloved who we recognize in the breaking of the bread. The apostles are sent out by Jesus with these words. Freely you have received, freely give. In other words, love is not for profit. We already know that in Jesus's eyes, wealth is a curse, not a blessing Poverty is not cute, but wealth is a trap. But these apostles are not to market their faith and profit off of grace. They must humbly allow their needs to be met, but they cannot take advantage of the people they are serving. They are sent out to serve the whole person. Because love isn't theoretical. It's not an idea or even a feeling. Love is embodied. Love is incarnate. Or it isn't love at all. So what does this look look like? The apostles are sent out to preach the good news, to announce that the kingdom of God is near. They do share knowledge and information and revelation. And they are sent out to meet the needs of the whole person of the people around them. They are sent out not just to announce that the kingdom of God is near, but also to heal the sick, to announce the kingdom and also to cleanse the lepers, to announce the kingdom and also to exercise the demons, to cast them out. They are sent out to announce the coming of the kingdom and also to raise the dead. In other words, they aren't sent to a place to say, good news, the kingdom of God is near, salvation has come, sorry about your wretched life, good luck with that, but now you know, so be happy. They are sent out to say the kingdom of God is near, and that means that the pain and brokenness of the people is relevant to God. And so it should be to us. We are not sent out to announce a kingdom that tells us to have faith in a next life, but to make our peace with the fact that there will be no noticeable difference in this life. The kingdom of God is where God is reclaiming God's own earth. And these disciples are sent out to announce that the kingdom of God, the realm of love is invading and it is here and now. And unlike the powers of this age, the powers of the marketplace, the power of violence and militarism, the power of love does not abandon suffering people. Love responds to human misery with healing power. The apostles are sent out to serve people 
soul and body. They are not just to preach the gospel to souls, but to heal bodies and minds and communities. And throughout the history of the church, there have been many who are profiting from the world the way it is, who argue that the church is just for saving souls. Don't worry about systems of oppression and injustice. Just focus on announcing the kingdom. That's your business. It's not your business to respond to broken bodies or lives or communities. Well, the church can say that, but Jesus did not. He sent his apostles to preach good news and also to be good news. They were sent out to preach and to heal and to cast out demons. And what do demons mean, by the way? Well, not the Hollywood special effects in horror movies. The demons are Jesus's words for idols and false gods of violence and oppression and supremacy and injustice and greed and power. And if you don't believe me, read the prophets. To say that the gospel saves souls and not bodies is blasphemy. Love saves bodies, souls, and communities. And that brings me to the last point, which is probably the first point for all of us. Jesus sends them out to do stuff they can't do. Jesus sends them out to do what is not in their power. So he sends them out to preach like, okay, yeah, we can all talk, maybe. But he also tells them they're going to heal the sick and cleanse lepers and raise the dead and, and cast out demons. And this is not a thing a person can do. So no wonder we focus on the preaching part because we can talk. But the rest of it, it's just impossible for us. But nothing is impossible for God. And that's the thing. The apostles improbably, mysteriously, even offensively, are sent out in the authority of Christ with the power of God. They aren't sent out to a mission that they can accomplish in their own power. They and we are called to do what cannot be done by us. And so when it happens, God is credited. People knew when the apostles came into their towns and announced the kingdom. People knew that the power that was in those strangers was not of them. That's why we don't know the stories of those first 12 guys, because people were focused on the God who sent them, not on the people who carries the story, because love decenters itself. And we like to whittle down this message, whittle it down to what we can manage, to say that Jesus is sending us out with manageable ministry projects that we can do in God's name. Thanks for the cross, Jesus. We've got it from here. We'll just be real busy till you come again. But the glory of this gospel is that God who sent the apostles is the same God who is sending us. The same spirit is in us and the same kingdom has come here. No more and no less. Everything we do here is grounded, surrounded, and completed in love. And anything that is too important or too holy for love is a trap and a lie. Love will not keep us safe. Love will compel us to abandon ourselves to the glory of God. And that is the only way that we can come alive in Christ.